Amen, amen, amen. I am so, so pleased to be able to introduce my pastor, Tanya Jansen, who's going to come and preach to us now and share the good news. Well, that's very humbling. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to get a table here today because I got so many books, but we forgot. So, oh, yeah, we could do that. It might look weird online, but I can just put some of my books there. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tanya, and myself and my husband, Matt, we are newly lead pastors here at Life Church. I think we're four or five weeks in. We're not really counting, but it's new. It's fresh. So, um, and we are excited, and we are just loving being able to pastor alongside Pastor Mike and Ev, and um, it is, it is a great, it's a great ride. It's a great journey. God is good. Well, we have been going through our church values. It's been really exciting for Matt and I because we, he explained that about a year ago, well, no, in the beginning of this year, we went away and we were praying and seeking the Lord about what he would want for the, um, the values of our church as we kind of got, took on the baton and, and we submitted it to Pastor Mike and Ev and to the elders. And, um, and now we are able to preach it. And now we're able to let you know what God has birthed in our hearts for what we want for Life Church and what he wants for Life Church. So we talked about our purpose statement. Matt talked about our purpose statement. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus, right? Are you guys by the end of this series are going to know it so well. We're here to care for and to bring people to Jesus. And then we started with our values. First value, does anyone remember what the value was? Word of God. We value the Word of God. We value... Worship, worship, and last week we value prayer. We will be a house of prayer and um, all such amazing things. And today I get to speak on rest. At Life Church, we value rest. We will operate out of a place of grace. I believe there's a, there we go. We will operate out of a place of grace. Rest. Why is this a value? rest? Why is rest a value? Because we rest so that we can care for and bring people to Jesus well, right? We need to be a rested people, not a burnt out, you know, feebling along people. We need to be a rejuvenated, refreshed people that can bring people to Jesus. And so that is why we value rest. Now, I have a little confession because it is kind of funny, ironic, whatever you want to call it, that I am preaching on rest, because those that know me well um, laughed, actually. But <laughs> just laughed right out loud. And not to my face, thank goodness, but Matt was over at my parents' house earlier this week and dropping something off, and, and he said, oh, yeah, Tanya is preaching this Sunday. And my dad's like, oh, what's she preaching on? Rest. And my dad's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, Tanya, she, she's going to I hope she studies really well on rest. And uh, and then, like, a couple days later, my in-laws were over, and Matt again was like, yeah, Tanya's preaching. Oh, what's she preaching on? Rest. And they both burst out laughing. So, but I am not going to let that distract me. I am not going to let that do anything to me or make me feel insecure, because I'll tell you what. I'm just joking. I'll tell you what. I am contending for this in my life. I am, by nature, type A personality, kind of a busybody. You know, the lists are all over the place, and I'm checking them off, and um, kind of, I'm a really great multitasker, but I do think that that just comes with the job of being a mom. So you learn how to be an extremely good multitasker and do many things in a certain amount of time. And um, 
But I also know the value of rest, and I am contending it for, for it in my life. And because it doesn't come naturally to me, and because I'm not naturally laid back, calm, that's not really my personality, um, I have, I've really dug into this topic a lot. So this actually is like years of coming out of me. And so even though um, I don't always do the best at it, I am working. I'm a work in progress, but you know what? That's the best kind. We're all work in pro progress, right? And um, so I have not mastered this at all, but I every day wake up, his mercies are new every morning, and I work on this because I believe that there is um, great value in rest. So Hebrews um, 4 verse 9 to 11 says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. Life Church, let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. Amen. And I believe that there's supernatural strength that can be found when we are operating from a place of rest, when we are operating out of his grace working through us. We get to tap into a supernatural strength, and that's what happens when we rest as God commands. I just want to pray and that we just set our minds for the next few moments on what God wants to speak to us. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you care about us, and you care about us resting it is something that you have created for us. Father, I pray that this morning, the words that I speak, the words that you've given to me would just be a challenge, would be um, an encouragement, Father, that we would be a people and a church that would know how to rest well and to walk in your grace. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, rest is very countercultural, isn't it? In our society today, we are all about hustle climbing the ladder, getting to the top, moving faster, moving people out of the way. That's just kind of how our society works, isn't it? And it's not something to be proud of, but, you know, we kind of think, well, can we get more done? Can we take this, you know, I have this free afternoon. I'll just get ahead for the week ahead. You know, we're kind of just always hustling, always moving at a pace that is really unsustainable. We also struggle with comparison, right? And, you know, we see other people running ahead and we're feeling poorly about it. And that's just the culture that we live in today. That is this year, 2021, that has been going on and getting worse, actually. Now, Jesus always comes to bring a countercultural message, doesn't he? He always has this upside-down kingdom. His kingdom doesn't make sense here on earth, but it is the godly way to live. And in Matthew 11, 28, 29, it says, Come to me, all you are her weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah 30, 15, for thus saith the Lord, in returning and rest, you, will be, you shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Don't those words just, you kind of just start exhaling as you hear these scriptures. Psalm 116, verse 7. Return to your rest. Yeah, I'm really dry. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously not um, used to singing and then speaking. Well, I have my green bottle here. <laughs> um, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Return to your rest, O my soul. 
for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Rest is biblical. We see it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I just kind of want to go through it a little bit so that I'm going to kind of build a case and then I'm going to talk about why we want a culture of rest here at Life Church and why we believe it is so important and it is God ordained. But I want to kind of give you a background of rest. And number one, God created rest. In Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. Um, My favorite way that it's kind of said is in Exodus 31, verse 17. I just stumbled upon this scripture that uh, when I was studying, and I love the way it said it in Exodus 31, 17. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Isn't that good? He rested and was refreshed. God needed to rest. God needed to be refreshed. And here on earth, here we all like hustle and bustle and running around like chicken with our heads cut off sometimes, trying to get ahead. And here God Almighty, he's he's showing us the way. He created this rest. He said, I needed to rest. You work, you rest. You work, you replenish yourself. It is biblical. It is biblical. Um, Rest is good, and it's God's idea. Also, number two, God commanded it. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the, in the Ten Commandments. All right, Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, there it is again, the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Sabbath is just, that's kind of a, you might be thinking, what does that word mean if you haven't heard it before? Sabbath is a Hebrew word called Shabbat, which means rest, day of rest. That is Sabbath, rest. Hallowed, when it says there on the end of the scripture there, he The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he hallowed it just means he consecrated it. It's made holy. It's a sacred day. Rest, God created it. He did it himself. He commanded it. All right? And also then when we kind of jump ahead or we jump through to the New Testament and we see that God through Jesus exemplified a lifestyle of rest. And this is my favorite because we can see Jesus in the Gospels and we are Jesus followers. We are disciples of Jesus, so it's a really good idea for us to study his life and how he walked on the earth and how he did life. And if you pay attention to Jesus, God's son, he exemplifies a lifestyle of rest, okay? Jesus lived it out. He had a lifestyle of unhurriedness. You do not see, you do not read about Jesus running from place to place. I mean, he did a lot. This is the thing. In three years, in his ministry of three years, he did so much. He was healing. He was teaching. He was preaching. He, was, he like, covered a lot of ground, too. But he was not running. It never talks about him like jumping on animals and like galloping. He like, had the donkey, which is like slow. And, but most of the time, he's walking. Our Jesus is walking. It's kind of funny because I was thinking about that. You know, we use that term. You hear it in Christian circles. Oh, my walk with God or his or her walk with God. We don't say like, oh, they're run with God. They're just like running around. You know, like Jesus 
walked. He's slow. He, he has this unhurried pace. So right then and there, we need to like take a note, okay? Matthew 9, 18. There's a story of Jesus. He's in the middle of ministering. He's doing his thing. And Jairus, a ruler, comes up to him. And he's like, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter has died. You need to come. Quick, you need to come. You need to heal her. You need to raise her from the dead. So Jesus notes that. He sees, yes, I'm going to come. And so then, and right there after, so that's verse 18 in Matthew chapter 9. And then in verse 20, a woman who has been sick for 12 years, she's in that crowd as well. So Jesus is now turning to go and meet and, and go be with Jairus' daughter and go heal her, raise her from the dead. And a woman touches his hem of his garment. It says she touches out. He turns around. He stops. Okay, so here's another thing I want you to make note of. Our Jesus was slow enough that he had time to be interrupted. And he stopped for the interruptions. Now, this is something that really speaks to my heart because so much in my life, how many times are we just running around, we got our things to do, our people to see, whatever it might be, and we don't have time for the interruptions of people. What's our mission statement? (laughs) To care for and bring people to Jesus. And how are we going to do that if we're just kind of rushing through our own agenda, our own days, our own schedules? It's just, it doesn't happen. We need to look at Jesus and learn the ways of Jesus, the unforced rhythms of grace that it talks about in the message. We need to learn from his way. He is able to stop. There's this woman. He notices, he feels, and he's able to heal her and have time to minister to her before he goes on, continues his journey, goes to Jerry's home, clears out the home, heals, raises the, the daughter from the dead. I mean, he just, he's doing this all, but it's not like in a panic. He's, he has time for the interruptions. Mark 3, verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Talks about Jesus withdrawing to quiet places so much in the Gospels. He's our example. Mark 6, 31, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus napped. I'm just going to be practical here. You remember the story of the boat and the storm and the disciples freaking out? We heard that story a lot. Where's Jesus? Where's the Son of God? Napping. Napping. I'm not a great napper, but I can appreciate a good nap every now and then, usually on a Sunday afternoon after all this. And, uh, but it takes me a long time. But, hey, Jesus napped. I'm just going to be really practical. Jesus sat and ate meals, slow meals with people. His relationship, he talked He got to know the people that were following him. We need to do that too. It's the meals. It's the relationship. It's slow. It's sitting down at a table, not just running through the door. Hey, hey, you know, life is meant to be lingered and enjoyed, right? And you cannot enjoy it if you're just rushing through. Luke 5, 16 said Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed solitude. There's this great quote. It says, hurry is the great enemy, there it is, of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It's from Dallas Willard. He's an American philosopher, was an American philosopher, known for his writings on Christian spiritual formation. We need to have a slower pace so we have time to know Jesus. So we have time to be interrupted by the people that we are 
supposed to be reaching and, and getting and taking them to Jesus and, and having time to love on them and care for them. Like the great commission is, the great mandate is go into the world and make disciples. We need to slow down. Church, we need to slow down. We need margin. There's another quote. It says, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. That was by Walter Adams, who's a spiritual director to C.S. Lewis. And this whole idea of hurry, and it's so common, and we kind of just do it without even thinking. You know, we hurry. I don't, I'm not patient either. It's just confession time. I'm going to talk about all the things that I'm not good about. I'm, like, not patient. I do hurry. So that's why I spent a lot of time studying. And I actually brought these books. Don't worry, I'm not going to read out of them. You're going to think, oh, she's going to be here forever. Don't worry, I'm not. But I thought, you know what? Two weeks ago when Matt and I were preaching on worship, we, I read a little bit out of this book called Sons of Purpose, and it was a little bit of our history and some of the background of our movement that brought us to how we worship and praise today in our church. And so we read a little bit of that history, and I had a couple of you come up after the sermon and say, oh, can I take a picture of that book, or what was that book again? And so I thought, I said, Matt, do you think I should, like, bring some books? Because I want us to be a church that is learning and growing. So we can hear great messages on a Sunday morning here, and we can, whoever's speaking can just give the Word of God, but we also need to be a people and a church that are digging into the Word of God on our own and taking these words that we're hearing every Sunday morning and learning and growing. There's great materials and resources. So I'm going to do a little throw out. So that quote that I read about the ruthless eliminating her in your life. There's actually an amazing book that I'm reading right now. Matt and I are readers. I think you're going to pick up on this here. So I'm going to just give you resources, and you can come up to me after if you don't quite catch this, or online if you want to, like, put it in the comments, and I'll answer it later. If you say, what was the name of that book again? Um, but this is by John Mark Comer. It's titled, the quote by Dallas Willard, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is just wrecking me in all the good ways. I'm reading it. I'm listening to a podcast on it. It is the good stuff. It is really good. And I would encourage you, if you're thinking, man, I want to like dig into more of what she's talking about, this book. Also, I'm reading. Again, we like to read. I also like fiction, too, and no-brainer stuff, but I am a learner. And this is called Soul Keeping. And the interesting thing about this book is it's written by John Ortberg, whose mentor was Dallas Willard, And then this John Ortberg is this author's mentor. So it's kind of, it's really cool. I didn't know that when I picked up all these books. But it's all got that same message about tending to our inner man, our soul, and trying to stop the hustle and slow down because it is the way that God has intended for his people to live. So review quickly. God created rest. God commanded rest. And God, through Jesus, exemplified a lifestyle of rest. Okay, you guys still with me? (laughs) All right. Okay, so we desire to see a culture of rest here at Life Church. I'm going to have to take another drink of water. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so, and we understand, we want to be a people that understand that when we rest and live our lives out of this place of peace, that God provides and and it promises to us, we can serve Jesus 
with strength that he provides. And it's just such, it's his way of living. It's what he intended all along. So this culture of rest, what do I mean? Number one, our doing comes out of our being. Be still and know that I am God. Being with Jesus, quietening our souls, solitude, taking time to really grow in your relationship with the Lord, to get to know him, prayer, reading his word, going on a nature walk and just spending time with him. Um, I really connect with the Lord through water. I, if you've listened to the live connects, if any of you listen to them all through the pandemic, I talk about my love of water, any kind of water. It can be a creek, it can be a waterfall, it can be the lake, it can be an ocean, it can be a pond, it can be anything. Water and me, I just like feel the Lord. <laughs> I can feel and hear him speaking. Get me to water. So it's great that we live here beside the ocean. And, uh, um, but just coming and being still, and calming ourselves, and letting the Lord speak, and taking time to step away from this, the bustle of this world. We just sang this song, I'm going to wait on you. It's this like defiant act. I'm like, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to be with you, Lord Jesus. I want to be still. Here's another quote by Dallas Willard. The most important thing about you is not the things that you achieve, it is the person that you become. That's what you will take into eternity. It's by Dallas Willard. This is the most important thing, church, that whatever we are doing, your work that God has called you to, there are parents here, you have, a lot of you are married, and you have spouses, and you have marriages to tend to, all of the things, even the ministry things, you may volunteer, you may serve in different areas in the church, it all, all that doing needs to come out of being first and foremost always because that's where the strength of the Lord is. We will operate out of a place of grace is what we said in our statement at the beginning. Grace, the definition of grace, divine enabling to do the will of God. Divine enabling to do the will of God. So I need to be, to come away and be so that I can have the Lord enabling me to do what he's called me to do. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And here's a favorite that I'm sure many are familiar with, but Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31 says, Have you not known, church, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have might, no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, and they will not be weary. They shall walk, and they will not faint. There's the promise. That's where our strength comes from. When you wait, when you stop, when you be, this is the promise. He will give you strength. We sang it this morning, that song. He will renew your strength. So wait, wait, I say, wait on him. He is the source. He is the giver of our strength. I was listening to a podcast the other day. They were talking about Olympians. And when you get to the Olympics, you are like at the highest level of your academic career, right? We're talking the best of the best. And what this man was saying is he was saying, 
when you get there, when you've reached there and you're at the Olympics stadium and you're going to be competing, everybody is an incredible athlete. That's not a question. Okay, that's not what, we're, what sets people apart. But what sets the top athletes apart is not how hard they work because all of the athletes have worked for years and years very hard to get to that place. But what sets apart the top athletes is how well they rest. Because it's the resting that catapults them. Because everybody's been working and training. Everybody's been, has their reg, regime, right? Their workout regime. They're athletes. They're the best at what they do. But those that are intentional about their rest, they are the ones that are set apart. And when they, have, when they were surveying and asking and interviewing, it was the resting that took them the next way. Society has taught us to work hard well, but they, have, they don't teach us to rest well, right? It's kind of like, we'll get behind. If you, don't, if you slow down, you're going to get left behind. And nobody wants to be left behind. But we need to tend to our souls, to our inner man. We want to be a church that serves from a full cup, from a deep well that we're drawing from waters. And where does that come from? It comes from time at Jesus' feet, rest. Now, I've been spending a lot of time just talking about the spiritual side of this, being with Jesus, being in his word, in prayer, and whatever way that you connect with the Lord as well. But there's a practical way, too, about this. Um, Our doing comes out of our being. And practically, there are things in our day-to-day life that we can do to stop. And it is just as, it's important because the things that we do in our life are spiritual, even if it's practical. And in our family, because we're working this out in our lives too, and we're trying to practice rest so much. So practically, so we, we are always working at time with the Lord and, and stopping and resting and seeking God and spending time in his word. But then on the practical side, in our day-to-day life, because life is busy. We have three kids. We're in the thick of it right now, right? We have an 8-year-old. We have an 11-year-old. We have a 13, almost 14-year-old, and we are in it, right? We've got, I like, we're like back and forth and soccer and piano and all the things. And Matt and I have very full lives ourselves, and they have very full lives. So we are just, whoo, you know, birthday parties yesterday. Matt's got one at soccer. I've got one at a birthday party, and I've got... A gifts to buy for another birthday. And so we're just kind of doing all the things, right? And, um, but it's very important, and you all have. Everyone has their things. A lot of you are working and many things. But it is so important to stop and rest, even in, the pract- even in like just this natural world, in the world that we're in, just like Jesus did. So for us, we really try hard to set aside Sunday afternoons and evenings because we can't do the whole, there's a whole Jewish um, uh, Sabbath, that it's like Friday, you know, uh, sundown to Saturday sundown. I've done a lot of study on that. I know all about it. We have really great close friends that practice that, like now in this society. And it's amazing that they can take a whole 24 hours and they just rest, just it's, as like the Lord commanded. And we haven't figured out how to do that yet. But we do spend time on Sundays to the best of our abilities where we come home from church and our kids know it's rest Sunday and we just, Matt and I, what it looks like for us usually is a good book because we're readers and coffee because we love coffee and our kids know to kind of like find little areas in the house just to be quiet. So they might be playing games or listening. They like listening to stories on audio tapes and, or not on tapes anymore, but online. And, uh, and that's what, and our family on the best case scenario days, that's what we're doing on Sunday afternoon. We are like, it's like a big exhale. Rest Sunday. And then 
we have the next thing that is in our family tradition is fantastic family fun night on Sundays. So that means a board game comes out or the kids get to choose card games. They've got lots of favorite games. And, um, and it's game time and then a movie night. And, we, and that's what the ideal scenario is in our home on a Sunday. And that is our effort and attempt at rest. Because the six days of the week, we're not doing that usually. I mean, sometimes if there's a holiday or something, yes. But generally, no. Everyone's got things and there's work and there's schedule. So on Sunday, we like make the statement, we will rest. Our family will rest. We will be refreshed. We will be re rejuvenated in this time. And it does make a difference. Let me tell you, on that Monday morning, you just feel ready, more ready to kind of face what's ahead of you. Because I've had like brainless time. <laughs> and just time with my family, just being, being before doing. So being with God and being with our loved ones, friends, whoever it might be, being. And so that is a practical way. And you can, what that might look like for you. I realize not all of you have families who are in that stage. There are um, retired couples, there are singles here. It can look in so many different ways. Maybe for you, rest would be getting together with a friend or getting your spouse and going walking on the beach. There's just so many ways. But what I'm getting at is that we make an intentional effort to stop and be refreshed before it all starts over again. And it all starts over again. And why is this so important? Because we want to be people that can bring people to Jesus well. And we have time for them. And there's margin in our life to love on people. And that we have enough to give people because we've been filling up on our own, being with Jesus and being with others, all right, with a relationship. Number two, rest is an act of faith and trust, and I am blazing through here. I'm almost done. Rest is an act of faith and trust. What do I mean? It seems like a foolish thing to do sometimes. There are so many times on a Sunday afternoon, even though I'm super tired, but where I'm like, oh my word, I could really get a head start on everything that I need to do, and my list is long. Remember, I love lists, and I could do that but it actually is like a faith act. It's almost like this defiance in me. They're like, nope, it's all going to wait, and I'm going to rest because I know that I need this time. I know that I need to rest. And my obedience, when I make that time, when I just rest, we know that God will bless that because it is his plan. He created it. He commanded it. Remember those two things? Um, and as you set time aside to honor that, and kind of like this defiant stake in the ground, you're trusting God to take care of all those other details that are kind of on you. And um, Matt, it was uh, this story that he spoke about last Sunday when he was talking about prayer. It really ministered so much, so much to me when he said that, um, that there was a, re he was reading about a pastor who said he was frustrated with himself because he always got distracted in his prayer time. You know, he'd have a prayer time and he'd, oh, this and oh, this. And, and he was just like, oh, so discouraged with himself. And then he looked at it differently and he said to himself, you know what, I'm going to look at every time that I'm distracted in my prayer time as another opportunity to come back to Jesus. I'm just going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep coming back. And I just love that whole idea. You know, sometimes we don't get rest right and sometimes we try to do everything on our own strength. But there's always in Jesus, there's always second chance, a new day. His mercies are new every morning. It's not like, oh, I didn't get this, but like it's an ongoing journey. We're coming back to Jesus with all these disciplines, all these disciplines, worship, prayer, rest, the reading the word of God. It is a lifetime journey. We're going to mess up. We're not going to get it right, but guess what? We get to do it again. We get to try it again. 
And in Mark 2, verse 27, it says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. This rest is made to refresh you. So take it and just trust that the Lord is going to take care of everything else. I'm not in control. I don't make my world go around, even though sometimes we foolishly think that we can, that if I do all these things, I'm going to make this all work. We really aren't in control. It's not our life. It's the Lord's. So this taking of rest kind of says that. We're stopping and enjoying. And there's another thing I was thinking about this this morning is that, because some of you might be thinking here like, oh, you know, like my life isn't that busy. So like I kind of rest every day, (laughs) which is wonderful. And to have that, you might be in a stage of life where you have a very restful life. And I get that. And that's wonderful. And there's a lot of people who are retired and enjoying the fruits of your labors through all the years. And now you're in retirement. And that is such a beautiful season. I want to tell you that this isn't just a write-off message for you because this Sabbath that the Lord created and commanded was also not only a time to stop and to rest all the things that you're doing and working, but it's also a time to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. He's so good, and, it's, and it, it feeds into your life contentment. And because so often in the hustle and the bustle of our lives, we're going, we think that we got to keep it all together and everything is just up to us. Wrongly, we think that. But when we stop and this defined act of faith and trust, Lord, I trust you. I am not in control. And also, I'm going to also take this time, this rest, this afternoon that I've set aside for you, this day that I've set aside for rest to focus on the goodness of who he is, for what he has done. That is a big part of this rest as well, is that we're going to just take time to worship him and and remember that, oh, we have it so good because so much in our day-to-day life, you can kind of get under it. Or I talked about comparison before and all these things, but you stop and you say, no, God is so good. God is faithful. He has done such great things. I have more than enough. I am blessed. And that is what the Sabbath is as well. It is a moment that you can just take and remember the goodness of our Lord. That is a big part of Sabbath as well and this rest. So it's not just, um, I just really felt that that was important to say because there's so many different uh, ages and lifestyles. And, and, and so it's not just about resting. You might be like, I don't need it. But it's about taking time to remember who God is and what he's done in your life. Number three, rest is living confident in the call. I'm getting really messy with my notes here, guys. But don't worry, I'm following them. Okay. Um, rest in who God made you to be. Second Timothy 2.1 says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Rest in the grace that is upon your life. Now, this is another little angle or another little part of rest. It, it doesn't have, it, it's like, oh, what is she talking about now? But we're talking about resting in the calling and who God has called you to be and resting in that and walking in that lane. And there is rest found in that place. Be strong in the grace. What did I say grace was? The divine enabling to do the will of God. So when I rest in the grace, what God has called me to, what he has, his will for my life, and he's going to enable me to do what he has called me to, there's a rest and a confidence that comes upon me that I do not have if I try to do things on my own. Or I try to look, or, or I get caught up looking at this person and their calling and what they've done and or what they're accomplishing, and I can get really distracted very quickly 
with the comparison game. And I'm not walking in the grace, not living out of the grace of what God has called me to do. And we want to be a people, we want to be a church that is strong in the grace, that lives confident in that call. And you can rest. There's so much rest in that place. There is so much rest when you know this is what I'm called to and I'm going to run in my lane. This is what the Lord has called me to. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The opposite is so true. There's so much unrest when you're comparing or when you're trying to be somebody else or look at them and and feel like, oh, they're accomplishing more or they're doing this here. I should probably be doing that. That's just going to kill all strength right there. Zap it. There is an ease that comes when you're running in your lane and you're leaning into what God has asked you to do. Romans 12, verse 6 in the NLT says, In his grace, God has given us different Given, oh, I've got it written down the wrong. Given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If, it is, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That's what we're talking about here. There's a body, many parts. God has called our church. He's gathered our church, and he's called each one of you to something different. We don't have to worry about what she's doing, what he's doing. We want to walk in the calling that he has, um, he has for each one of us because we need it all. And we're going to be strong in that, and then there's rest that comes out of that. We'll be a people of rest just by doing that. That's, that's something that's so countercultural right there. I'm just, this is what I do. And this is how God's asked me to do it, and I'm going to do it. And there's an ease there. So it's just, you know, I'm not trying to get higher or be higher than somebody else. I'm just doing what God has called me to. I was talking to Larisha at worship practice on Thursday night, and we were talking a little bit about this rest thing. And I felt, Larisha, you had such a great insight on this about when we're trying to, like, one-up one another as people we do in society when we're trying to get a little higher, or, you know, I'm trying to climb this ladder, or I need to do this to get here and to make this position at work or whatever. And it never works because, and I'm stealing this from Larisha here, a wonderful woman of God. She said, we were never meant to be at the top of the ladder. That is not our position. That is God's role. He is at the top. God is in control. So don't try to do it. It's just like a futile attempt at foolishness. And I thought that was so good, Larisha. And it's that same thing. Just do what he's called you to do. Don't try to do more than what he's asked you to do because you're just going to exhaust yourself. Rest in the grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so culture of rest, just in review, is doing. Our doing comes out of our being. Number two, rest is actually an act of faith and trust. Number three, rest is living confident in the call that God has given you. And I want to just close right now. In Exodus 33, and this is um, this is a conversation we're going to get like we're going to drop into a conversation between Moses and God, and Moses has such a unique. I love reading Exodus because I love uh, Moses's relationship with God, and it says that they talked face to face as friends, and he had this intimate relationship. And when he'd go up to the tent and he'd go up the mountain, and people would all watch because a cloud would hover over that place. It was had such an intimate relationship with the Lord. So I love Moses, and I love the relationship that he had with Jesus, with the Lord. And in, verse, in Exodus 33, verse 13, 
Moses, God is like asking him to take the, his people on yet another leg of journey. I mean, they've been crossing Red Seas, and they've gone through plagues, and they've had manna, and they've had fire leading them. This, they've, they've gone through the journey, and still there's more. God has more. And so Moses and God are having this conversation, and Moses says in verse 13 of chapter 33, he says, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. That's Moses. And then God responds in verse 14, and he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. In his presence is rest. We want to be a church. We want to be a people, a people that are people of his presence, not people of programs, people of more things to do, and filling our calendars, even though all of that is good. There's good in all of the things. But we want to be a people of his presence because there we find rest. There is rest there. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I just, as I was reading that this week, I just felt that was the word for Life Church. He says, my presence will go with you, and I will give this body, this family, rest. We're not going to strive. We're not going to try to be whatever, but we want to be people who rest in his presence, rest in who he's called us to be, and make rest a priority. We're confident that he's in control. We're leaning back into the grace that is on us to do what he's called us to do. We want to live from that place of rest. We want to live in his presence. And we want to be in his presence. So then when it is time to go, go to work, do the things, meet the people that we need to do, to meet, and whatever it is that your life consists of, that we're doing it out of a place of being with Jesus and being refreshed. And then We can care for and bring people to Jesus well because we're not a burnt out people. We're not an exhausted people. They're not good for anybody, but we're people that have lingered a little longer in the presence of the Lord. We've listened to his calling and his command about making rest a priority in our practical life and in our spiritual life, both ways. It's both of them. Rest, rest. I feel like it's the secret. It's not even a secret. It's the superpower that the Holy Spirit gives us. It's not a secret, right? And so many times we just don't ease into that, don't lean into that. First Peter 5 says, 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And again, I've said this scripture before at the beginning, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And there's a quote that I'm sure many of you have heard. It says, our hearts are restless until we rest in you. It's by St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless until we rest in you. True rest true rest is found in him true rest you can find it many places but the ultimate source is in him 
I want us, just as we close, to kind of respond. If everyone could stand up, I want us to respond by just singing that song, Wait on You, that we were singing before. And if this message has challenged some of you, you're like, oh, I'm not living that way. I'm kind of caught up in just kind of doing the things and doing, and I'm forgetting about being and, and finding my source in Him. And I just want, as we just sing this chorus about waiting on the Lord and that His promise is that you will re- we will renew our strength in His presence, I just pray that God would just begin just restoring um, rest and peace. And, and there would be like this... Um, holy desire that rises up in in us, his people, to want to make rest an important part of our day-to-day life, and that we would um, honor what he has commanded, amen, that we'd honor what he's asked us to do. So just take these next moments as we sing this, and just talk to the Lord about it. Make a commitment to the Lord, just, you don't, I'm not going to have anyone come up, but just in your place, the Lord, I really, I need your rest. I need your, I want to live more in your presence. I want to live more from this place of rest. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'll taste your goodness. I'll trust in your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'll taste in your goodness. I'll trust in your promise. Oh, I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'll taste in your goodness. I'll trust in your promise I'm gonna wait on you day-to-day life 
to be with you before we do. A people who would just lay it all at your feet, cast our cares upon you, and obey what you've commanded us to do. Father, a people that would walk in a single-minded focus. You've called me to do this, and I'm going to walk in it in confidence and rest in grace. Rest in who you've asked us to be, what you've called us to be. Lord Jesus, we want to be a a house that is not striving and pushing, but a place where we just learn to linger and be in the presence of God because we value, we value rest. We do. Lord, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your promises. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.